The Lord be with you. Welcome to Thin Places, the podcast channel of St. Aidan's Anglican Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. I'm Father Lee, the pastor here at St. Aidan's, and I want to invite you to join me here each week as we join together to share common prayer, common worship, and common life. And just as the streams feed the trees on their banks till they pour in the seas, so may my life be to all those who share this wilderness road. And now please stand for the reading of the gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, and to the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who has who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country, to a town in Judea, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby wept in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed in a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it that this granted to why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfilling a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. 
You pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you, Lord, are our strength and our redeemer. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. I came across a painting this week which was painted by Sandro Botticelli, who is the artist who painted um, The Birth of Venus. And it was painted for a convent in Florence, Italy, uh, called the Sestello Convent. And in the picture, um, the subject of our gospel lesson is depicted. Um, <clears throat> for those of you who are a part of our Facebook group, I've shared that image. Um, and if you're not a part of that group, you can just do a Google search for the Sestello Annunciation to see this picture if you'd like. Um, also, Father Lee is planning to attach that um, with this week's email, um, so you can take a closer look at it. So it's a painting that's painted in the early Renaissance style, um, and again, it's, it's a picture of the Annunciation, of Gabriel coming to Mary um, to let her know that she will soon be the mother of our Lord. Uh, at first glance, um, I, I was looking through some art this week. Um, it didn't really catch my attention that much. Um, this subject, the Annunciation, and Mary in general are the subject of so many paintings and so many um, artworks that if you're not careful, you can just gloss over them and not really give them any of your attention. Um, and this was, this was one of those for me. Uh, but I think too that's something that we can do if we're not careful if we're reading the scripture about Mary. Um, the angel Gabriel's visit, an announcement that a virgin would bear a son. Uh, if we're not careful, that can feel like just another track playing in the background of our December. But I read a poem that went alongside this, uh, this picture, and that for me kind of really made me look at it again and, and really focus on what I was missing. Um, the poet, uh, his name is Andrew Hutchkins, and uh, the poem he wrote is also titled, the same name as Botticelli's painting, The, the Sestello Annunciation. The poem goes like this. The angel has already said, be not afraid. He said, the power of the Most High will darken you. Her eyes are downcast and half closed, and there's a long pause, a pause here of forever, as the angel crowds her. She backs away, her left side pressed against the picture frame. He kneels. He's come in all unearthly innocence to tell her of glory, not knowing, not remembering how terrible it is. And Botticelli gives her eternity to turn, to look out the doorway, where on a far hill floats a castle. Across a river, toward it, juts a bridge, not completed. And neither is the touch. Angel to virgin, both her hands are held up, both elegant, one raised as if to say stop, while the other hand, the right one, reaches towards his, and as it does, it parts her blue robe and reveals the concealed red of her inner garment to the red tiles of the floor and the red folds of the angel's robe. But her whole body pulls away. Only her head, already haloed, bows, acquiescing. And though she will, she's not yet said, Behold, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. As Botticelli, in his great pity, lets her refuse, accept, refuse, and think again. 
How easy is it for us to take for granted the consequences of Mary's yes? If we look back through biblical history, we find that Mary is not unique in receiving um, this sort of news, the news of an unexpected pregnancy. It's a pattern that's typified throughout scripture. Sarah, Rebecca, Hannah, and of course, Elizabeth, who we heard about in today's scripture lesson, her cousin. Mary's pregnancy, however, flips the script entirely. Our biblical mothers before her endured the shame of barrenness and prayed for a child to remove that from them, to remove dishonor from their life. Elizabeth herself says earlier in Luke, in chapter 1, The Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. This cannot be said for Mary. She has not prayed for a child. And the one she's about to bear does not remove her shame. It produces shame. This pregnancy comes with the very real possibility that she will at best be socially ostracized or at worst exiled or even put to death. When we put it this way, Mary's yes to Gabriel comes into sharp focus and we can begin to see just what this girl, which is also a difference from all of the mothers we spoke of before, a girl in her teenage years as opposed to the women in their old age. We see what she's actually committing to. Botticelli's painting and the poem I read give Mary a pause that scripture doesn't. And these pieces of art were able to enter into the swirl of emotions that Mary must have felt in her heart and in her head just before she says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. It's in these pauses, when we look at these pieces of art, that we too can contend alongside of Mary with this upside down nature of what Gabriel's calling favor, God's favor. In our world and in any world, in the biblical world, it would never occur to anyone to equate lower social status, marginalization, exile, threat of death as favorable circumstances. So how does Mary, oh, and how do we make sense of the angelic proclamation? I think it's common, at least for me, to sort of skip this question and to focus maybe on the miraculous nature of the virgin birth or to be on our side of the resurrection and to see what it is that um, Mary, or who actually it is that Mary is bearing into history. Um, However, when, when I look at it this way, and maybe if you look at it the same way, we're removed from the present moment that our scripture puts us in, the moment where Mary and Gabriel are in conversation. At this point, if we pause, Mary's yet to know just how she's going to survive this pregnancy. And she's yet to know just how miraculous this child she carries will be. Mary cannot yet see the ways in which her boy is going to usher in his kingdom on earth. And yet, as we know, the painting and the poem's pause are just artist devices. Because Mary, despite all the unknowns that she's going to face, she agrees and she submits herself to the will of God. And I do not for one second doubt 
Mary's sincerity in this submission. I affirm the virgin birth and I affirm her obedience. However, despite her commitment to this calling from Gabriel, I wonder, could it be that she longed for someone to help her carry it out? I can't help but wonder this, especially when in the following verses in our reading today, uh, she flees into the hill country to the home of her cousin, Elizabeth. Could it be that maybe Mary, to fully embrace what it is that is to come, she first needs to be embraced by love? Did it take the safety of family, the shared experience of the miraculous, the naming of that which grew inside of Mary to produce not merely the fruit of her obedience, but her joyful acceptance of it? Did the blessing from Elizabeth clarify the blessing of God? Does the threat of lower social status, marginalization, exile, and even death pale when Mary now realizes she's not alone in this? Her song, the Magnificat, that follows our scripture reading today, um, it seems to indicate so. In her song, she's moved from the meek, let it be done to me according to your will, to the bold claim that the mighty one has done great things in her. The dreams of Abraham and the dreams of his descendants forever are made reality as Mary, favored by God and blessed by Elizabeth, says yes. I'm always tempted, like Botticelli and like the poet Hutchkins, to pause before all my yeses. Perhaps you are too. But what if instead we, like Mary, standing there in front of Gabriel, do not hesitate to obey, but instead we accept that because of the holy yes growing in her belly, we too are highly favored. We too are blessed. We too are not alone. And we, like our ancestors, serve a merciful God. Could we then say, alongside our Savior's mother, let it be unto me according to your word? Maybe so. After all, nothing is impossible with God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment and join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Father is restored.